National Geographic presents. What I'm asking you to do is dangerous. You need to take your time to think it through. No, I don't. What do I do? We can't save everyone. But if I don't try, I don't think I'll be able to live with myself. What are we supposed to do? Some stood by. Anything. You have to. She stood up. There has to be a line. Belle Pauli is meet geese. There has to be me for this to work. A Small Light limited series premieres tonight at 9. Stream on Hulu and Disney+. Plus. Welcome to To the Foothills, a Colorado lifestyle and real estate podcast featuring mountain home real estate broker Robert Martin, who has over 25 years of experience assisting clients reach their goals and move forward. Tune in each week for a dynamic conversation with experts, Colorado adventurers, and residents that explores the ins, outs, and specific nuances of buying the perfect mountain home or selling your dream home in Evergreen, Conifer, Bailey, and surrounding areas to catch a glimpse into the Colorado lifestyle that's a part of you. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're visiting with Bob Kester. Bob is a, was a longtime resident of the Conifer and Foothill area. And can I say somewhat uh, of a historian, possibly? Or So, um, tell me about yourself, Bob, and your background. How long did you live in Conifer? Well, I was, I was born in 1926 on a ranch uh, four miles from Pleasant Park School to the southeast. And um, I was last of uh, five kids. I had uh, Arlene born in 1913, Carl in 1915, uh, Maria in 1917, and Hazel in 1920, me in 1926. But the first thing I can remember is a babyhood. Why our house uh, inside walls were just a uh, half-inch lumber with uh, building paper, and then uh, wallpaper on that. So my dad was going to. Um, make the living room nicer, so he got this, they called it uh, plasterboard. They put all the walls, which is kind of like drywall. And, and anyway, uh, he took down the corner shelf that had the clock and the, and the ink and the, all that and put it in the downstairs bedroom. And so I got, they didn't watch me for a little bit, and I got into the little, about two-inch bottle of ink, and uh, I guess the cork wasn't in tight, and I got the ink all over Mama's uh, Sheet music. Oh, no. <laughs> the next problem I can remember getting into was uh, had a linoleum, new linoleum rolled up, laid on the dining room, living room floor. And uh, I was, Uncle Fritz had given me a little scooter, a little uh, wheelbarrow. I was sitting in that and scooting along and making marks in the, on that linoleum. And Papa said, well, don't do that anymore. Showed me what was happening. Well, I forgot and I did it again. Well, I, he took he took me over his lap with his took my pants down and gave me five five slaps on the bottom. You know, I could look at his face and it was just there wasn't any any expression in his face. And, and Mama always would help me when I got in trouble. You know, but she she was too busy in the pantry to help me. <laughs> Bob, did you go to school at the Pleasant Park School? I went to school there. My uh, Arlene, when she was ready to go to school, while my cousin. Stayed with us, and she had a donkey. She was about six years older than Arlene, so they they rode the donkey to school. Oh boy! And then mm-hmm. when I started school, I was in second, first grade. Why uh, Hazel was in um, sixth grade, and she 
took me on horseback to school. I rode behind the saddle. It's four miles. There's eight gates to go through in between. You go through uh, five different parties of private property. So my experience had gone to first grade. How long would that take you to get to school on horseback? Oh, it was with the gates and everything. It was close to an hour Hmm. each way. What what would you do when it was um, when the weather was bad? Would your parents then would you drive to school then or we didn't let's drive. say it was, no? Okay, it was too bad to go by horseback. It didn't go anywhere. Gotcha. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes well, sense. Uh, I never drove us to school. Hmm. If we started school in the, uh, about the first of May and went through the Christmas program in December, uh, then I can remember uh, going to the Christmas program. My mama. Wanted to, wanted to go one more time on the sled, so we took the sled and the team of horses that time, went to, to the prep to the Christmas program. Normally, we'd, uh, we had a 1920 Dodge that we had to drive touring car to take. How long did you go to school there, and did you go to uh, high school elsewhere? Or? I, I went to, so, you know, you didn't have, uh, high school wasn't available, and Evergreen was too far to commute for us. So um, Arlene and Carl, went for their going to start next school, while they stay with my aunt and cousin in Littleton and go to school. And then uh, I did that a couple of years. And then my mom rented a house. Folks rented a house down there. And my mom stayed, stayed down there and with them in the house so they could go to school. And then uh, when I was, uh, then for my second, I went to school with Hazel in second grade. And then she was ready to go to high school. And then... Uh, so then uh, I, I stayed with mom and the kids. Then I went to second grade in Littleton. Then I went back home then. And uh, since uh, I was by myself, I, they didn't let me go by myself to, to school. So my mom taught me at home, uh, third, fourth, and fifth grade. And then uh, sixth grade, well, uh, my brother and brother-in-law, they're working for the government jobs, the PWA. They only got a dollar a day. They got a dollar, another dollar a day if they had a team of horses. And anyway, they decided they wanted to do something different, so they share rented a, some uh, a farm in Broomfield. They went there, and anyway, that that first year, then the next next year, while they gave up on that, my folks went down there and took care of that. And then I went to Broomfield School for sixth grade. Then I went back up to Pleasant Park for seventh and eighth grade. What about high school? And for high school, I stayed with my aunt and uncle in Arvada to go to high school the first year. Then the second year, whether my folks got an opportunity to take care of the Jefferson County poor farm, so they went down there and took care of that. And then I could I could ride the streetcar to Arvada High School from there. Then hmm. when I was in high school, that uh, second year of high school, I I went to the government and Plumbers tried to get a job, and they said, well, you're, you're going to be going to Trevor's pretty quick, so they sent me to radio school. So then um, my, uh, so then my, that, you know, the, that was during the war, the war was going on. And uh, so I was, I signed up to, to uh, get in the um, Army Air Cadet, took the test. I couldn't pass the physical, but I thought I was going to service. So I, I since I've been going to radio school, I, I graduated with the class ahead of me. Well, then I couldn't, I was 4F and couldn't get in the service, so then I, then I went to college. And I commuted with my Model A over the hill from towards Golden to Boulder to go to high college. 
And what uh, what college did you go to, Bob? Uh, CU at Boulder. Okay. CU at Boulder. Gotcha. When you lived in Conifer, Bob, um, what years were you there? Um, well, you, you said you were born in 26, and then you lived up there pretty much your whole life uh, and have seen a lot of changes, obviously. Well, everything's changed. <laughs> you yeah. know, it used to be that oh, we could, um, from the school, we could go across, across the road and play in a little little clearing there, play, play uh, softball. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any cars on the dirt road at all, hardly. And, <laughs> and uh, yours were wetter, you know, because our, one of our Grange mains would have a uh, winter roast and we'd have a fire along alongside the road and most marshmallows. Mm-hmm. And there were, it was wet enough, there were willows grew around there and we'd cut off willows to make sticks to what? Post of winters on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Now, the road up there, uh, Kester Road, did your father or grandfather, did they buy that property and develop it, or how did that, how did well, that they, come to play? They ended the Kester Road while my grandparents uh, homesteaded that in about 18, 1874, four or five. And there was, at that time, there wasn't any schools around there. And then when Uncle Fritz was old enough to, to go to school, well, he had to stay with his Ride the Denver, what do you call it, railroad up the went up the river to Leadville. He stayed with his uncle in Leadville to go to first year in school. Then they built the Lamb School over there on Chester Road. And that's where my father went to school. When your father, when they did the, they got the um, the land initially. Was it six hundred and forty acres, or when they? Uh... No, when you, the first it's uh, it's one hundred and twenty. Okay, it's what your homestead. Okay. My uh, grandfather and Uncle Hatch, they went together and homesteaded uh, parcels together. And they said, well, whoever, whoever lived the longest had the right away to the others. So that way, my grandfather had the, uh, three, 320 acres then to start with. And then my, my father homesteaded uh, right alongside the Chester Place. But my Uncle Fritz homesteaded alongside of the Isaiah Green Place, which is close to the school where I lived. And my dad bought that from the Isaiah Green family. And then we added that to Uncle Fritz's. My dad traded his homestead over by the original Chester place for Uncle Fritz's. And so they joined. So we had that uh, 120 plus the uh, 620. So that's what we had. And then there was an isolated 40 there right beside the house that my dad bought from the government. Did your family then, um, over a period of time, um, started to sell those properties, or you had um, a bunch of some land there that you developed and sold over time? Well, yes, and uh, in my uh, folks and uncles had used to run cattle, run cattle down on the forest preserve. You know the Pikes Peak Forest. Mm, well, they okay. had their roundups every year and get all the cattle together. And anyway, in 1939, why they uh, they couldn't do that anymore, so they uh, brought the cattle home, and uh, my brother bought feed to feed them and, and sold the cattle. And then with the money they got with that, but we bought 80 acres to the to the north of us, so that added more pasture for our land. Mm-hmm. And then my brother, when he, when he got married, well, he took over that 80 acres for his his place, so he was, he was only a quarter of a mile away from my folks. Okay, I see. When you were growing up there, Bob, what, what, um, 
What did you like most about living up there when you were a young person? What things did you like to do outdoors? Well, uh, I wasn't much for just riding horses around because I did that riding to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. When I was a little kid, I, I had an old uh, tire, real smooth tire, a three and a half by 34 inch tire that I rolled it around everywhere. And I mm-hmm. had a uh, little wagon made out of a baby buggy wheels that my dad made for me. And, it, and um, I decided I'd. Uh, we had a big air drill dog, and uh, I decided I'd use that dog to pull my little wagon. So I made a little calves on that and took a piece of pant leg, made a collar for the dog, and put the dog in the collar. Well, that worked fine. He, he took me sailing up the, up the road, and then he crossed the cattle guard with me in the wagon. Well, uh, of course, he couldn't pull the wagon across the cattle guard. By that time, he'd had, he had enough. I went to, went to uh, you know, do something. Well, he just growled at me, wanted me to, he was through with that. <laughs> do you still, um, you still like getting outdoors and doing stuff, Bob? Do you hike or what things do you do today that uh, you get outside? Well, I don't do much anything special. I just, uh, we sold, uh, sold 80 acres that to pay our uh, inheritance tax to my father died. So then I, I spent, uh, after I retired, then I spent some, quite a bit of time uh, building fence to, to take care of where that was sold. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, um, so I worked what, up there quite a bit. You know, I'd always go up there. Even though I lived in, we lived in Castle Rock, and it's where I grew up with the family here. And But I went up there to help my folks. We'd go up every every two weeks at least to see my folks. And I'd go up there and help with the hay and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And how, over the years, Bob, in your opinion, how has conifer changed in good, you know, in different ways? How has it changed good and how has it changed bad? Well, it's, it's just so much traffic around. It's, it's bad and they're developing it so much and so on. And I don't know. Not as much as you were uh, used to, but, you know, um, definitely a busier, busier place with the more people moving in, obviously. Yeah. Well, the thing is, since I've made my home down here all these last 70 years, you know, I haven't been up there that, that much, so I didn't mm-hmm. really not want to say. Of course, Castle Rock has changed considerably. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. more than up there, really. Yeah. What is, um, if somebody came to you, Bob, and said they were considering purchasing a home in the foothills, what might you say that you might want to look at or be uh, in tune to if you're going to buy a home uh, in the foothills? What do you think would be important to um, know when you're moving forward? Well, if they like somewhat isolation mm-hmm. away from people, but, but if you can find that place anymore, too much of the, yeah. it's so built up, there aren't too many places that are isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of people share that uh, that process, Bob. They like to they like the privacy, uh, living amongst the wildlife, and and just the beauty, the natural beauty of the area. Um, when you did live up in the foothills, what were some of the favorite things? I know you talked about some things when you were younger, but was there anything that sticks out that you like most about living in the foothills? Well, I don't know. Just uh, We had everything on the farm that we needed. You know, we, had, we raised pigs and chickens and, and uh, rabbits and cows, and had milk cows and eggs and everything. Big garden, always. 
And what I can tell is that as a little kid, I was about four, the happiest day that I can remember as a little kid. At noon, when my, my father and Uncle Otto and Uncle Fritz came in together with a wagon with um, sacks of potatoes in it that they'd gathered that dug that morning. I guess there was, uh, each of them had about three sacks that they carried into the cellar. And I can remember them. Pop told me to stand right by the door out of the way and they'd carry the, you know, take the sacks by the corners and, you know, carry most of them on their, their knee as they'd come in the cellar and dump them in the, in the bin. Mm-hmm. And what I can remember so happy about it was uh, when those three brothers were together at lunch while they They'd tell stories, and have, they were so happy and laughing so much. <laughs> I can remember that. <laughs> they didn't get together all that much. I can remember my dad, he shaved with a straight razor. I'd watch him shave, you know, because what I was interested in, what I'd see his image in the, in the mirror, but it was just like Uncle Fritz, you know. So that was fascinating me. But he'd shave, and he said, would you go in the other room? Because it makes me nervous for me to watch shaving with a straight razor. <laughs> yeah, you'd certainly have to be very careful doing yeah. that. Most of the people, Bob, did they um, did they grow their own crops then, or that sounded like you you know you had some cattle and you did grow. Um, obviously, you grew some potatoes and different things. And was that pretty common back when you were growing up in that area? Well, yeah, because that early, you know. About 1930, that was a real good crop. Then the drought came in around 34, and I know the potatoes were small. And my dad asked the neighbor how his potatoes were going. He said, well, they're pretty small. I thought he'd have to put them in a salt shaker and sprinkle them on his gravy. They were so small. Oh, boy. <laughs> did, what else, what other uh, crops did you grow? What other vegetables well, did you grow? My dad grew, he uh, took his model tea and cut the back seed off and put a box on it, and he raised lettuce, head lettuce and uh, carrots and that kind of stuff. And, and he'd uh, you know, get up early and drive down to the city market in Denver with his lettuce and so on. Mm-hmm. He did that, I can remember. He even he made us, had a little sawmill, and he made a, a, a carriage to saw slats to make a nail together lettuce crates. Mm-hmm. So he did, that, did everything. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Did you, Bob, did, was there a rail system or was a narrow gauge rail that ran up through there at all? Or I know there was one in the Pine area. It ran up through, uh, up the river, you know, mm-hmm. up the South Fork of the River, up to Jefferson, Nolo City and South Park, and up, on up to Leadville. And didn't they, um, I think, didn't they take, um, I've heard or read that the narrow gauge railroad used to take big chunks of ice that they would cut out of the lakes or the pond in the pine area. And then they would take those back to the city to put in the ice boxes. Um, yeah, their- I've heard of that too. Yeah. My dad and uncle Otto, they just, that was their playground down by the river because they mm-hmm. lived on top of the hill there, you know, it's a real steep, not very far, but real steep going down to the river where the mm-hmm. railroad went up through. Did they do a lot of fishing? Did yeah, they, they do some fishing. They like the fish down there. Yeah, yeah. Told about uh, stories of the railroad. There, all those little sidings. There was a little, uh, little bear joint and so on. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, told about this one guy came up on the. Well, he came up horseback up the railroad. And he'd stop at the first place and he'd buy his drinks and they'd give him offer him a hundred dollar bill. Well, of course they couldn't mm-hmm. cash it. 
and went up to the next place and tried that. Well, then he he got smart and called and uh, wired the next place above there up at Dome Rock or where it was. That said, mm-hmm. well, this guy's coming up here. The hundred dollar bill will be able to take care of him when he comes. So when he got to the next place, I said, oh yeah, we can handle it. So they got all the people bringing their silver dollars. So he was he was counting out a hundred silver dollars, and they said, well. We got, you know, that'd be pretty heavy to carry back on his saddlebags. So I said, well, I think I got change. I said, no, <laughs> you've been doing this. You can take this. No, I'll change your hard dog, bro. <laughs> For sure. And then it's good, Pops good learned, strategy. So, Pops <clears throat> learned, it took the, they used to have beer in beer bottles that had corks. So Pops would gather the corks from the places there and put them in a gunny sack. And he not many afloat so he could learn to take that on the river, learn to swim on the river mm. with the corks in the gunny sack. <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier, Bob, the WPA, your brothers worked with the WPA. What exactly was that and how did that work? Well, it, uh, they were built right on the road from uh, Conifer over to Evergreen. And they were that uh, people would be there with their picks and pick or shovel or or if you had a team of horses, why well, you'd either have a plow or, or a Fresno to scoop the gravel and put it where you want on the road, you know, instead of using the dozers and so on. Well, that, that's where they did it. So they helped know, my, uh, kind my of. My brother took a team over there. They helped to just build kind of the infrastructure, the roads and, and stuff back then, um, was what the WPA helped with. Yeah, right. Well, you've seen a lot of changes, Bob, um, certainly, and uh, I appreciate you spending some time with us today and sharing some of your stories. Um, Is there anything that you'd like to add before we go today? Well, uh, a lot of stuff, vegetables in the garden of all kinds, and raspberries, bushes, and so on. We had that, and uh, had to learn to eat all the vegetables. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I liked everything, but the way my mom fixed carrots. Yeah. (laughs) Probably couldn't be a picky, yet. a picky eater, huh? Too much of a picky eater. Yeah, well, I normally uh, I help myself, and my mom fixed my plate. I was just, you know, seven, eight years old. I said, "Well, I don't have to eat that." I knew I'd said the wrong thing. <laughs> well, rather than apologize, why well, I, I ran out the front door and hid hid behind a, a rock there, and I waited a long time till I knew my dad had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, I came back to the house. Or he didn't have to go back to work so fast that day. So he gave me a spanking for because you you the priest, the hard work mom mama does for us for <laughs> you learned the lesson there for sure. So only two spankings I got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Bob, I just want to say thank you very much for sharing your stories. I appreciate you taking time today. And I just wanted to uh, say thank you. Well, thank you very much. To the Foothills, a Colorado lifestyle and real estate podcast. On the podcast, I interview real estate experts, Colorado adventurers, and residents who enjoy the serenity and lifestyle of living in our mountain communities. Tune in each week for a conversation that explores the ins and outs of buying the perfect mountain home or selling your dream home and catch a glimpse into the Colorado lifestyle that's a part of you. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.